Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's show, we welcome special guest, SES President Rohit Makaria. SES is a leader in the development and manufacturing of high-performance lithium metal rechargeable batteries for electric vehicles. On the podcast, Rohit discusses some of the innovations and breakthroughs in battery tech that he has worked on over his career, why investors and consumers should care about lithium metal batteries, SES's revenue ramp and future path to profitability, his thoughts on the SPAC merger process, and more. So with no further ado, here's our discussion with SES President Rohit Makaria. All right, welcome listeners. We are here live with SES President Rohit Makaria. Rohit, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thanks, Julian. Thank you very much. I'm good. Great to have you on, and you must be a busy guy lately. SES just went public and uh, on the New York Stock Exchange, which we're going to get into later on in the show. Prior to getting into that, I wanted to set the stage, just going through your background. So we want to focus the podcast on battery technology and all the cool things that you've been up through, too, not only at SES, but... Earlier on in your career, you spent 19 years at General Motors, including 12 years in battery and fuel cell development, seven years in venture investment. Can you discuss some of the innovations and technological breakthroughs that you worked on while you were there? Yeah, sure. You know, a lot. In fact, I described my career at General Motors as being at the edge of the innovation the whole, the whole time I was there, 19 years. Like you mentioned, it started in fuel cells, and that was that was quite exciting because fuel cells, um, for those who don't know, it's an advanced engine that runs on hydrogen, and the idea is to run on, run it on clean hydrogen. And so um, the only tailpipe emissions you get with that technology is water. So again, it's it's one of those technologies that that can really help with with climate change. And I was very early on very motivated to to make an impact in that space. So that's that's what uh, that's how I joined that team. Uh, very early on, this team was um, just uh, just coming coming to fruition. You know, I was probably the first few ten employees that joined the company, and then uh, from there on, we did a lot of work on new materials. But really, what was most impressive about that that experience was that we grew the team. It was it was as much a learning in business as as it was in technology, where we grew the team from a few ten people team to I think at the at a high point we were over four hundred people in a very short period of time in a in a matter of few years, four to five years. So that was a a really nice high growth organization. But then on the on the technology, there was a lot of innovation that was happening back in the labs there, where we started with materials and we took it all the way into vehicles. So we were doing research in materials, chemistry labs, material science, but then we were also taking that material, you know, making fuel cell stacks, which is, which is kind of like battery cells and packs and modules, and then, and then putting them in an engine and then putting them in a vehicle and then giving those vehicles to customers to test and get feedback and, and do the whole loop all over again. So, so that team was, was fantastic. A lot of innovation on the materials itself, but but overall, 
we were really proud to put you know many millions of miles on fuel cell vehicles in real world driving tasks. That experience led me to batteries because batteries also is electrochemical system, just like fuel cells. You're turning chemicals into electricity. You're turning chemicals into clean electricity. And so in, in the battery, you, you also use, you, you know, when you charge the battery, you put electricity in. That's how you give energy into the battery. And when you drive the battery, you pull energy out. So this electrochemical system was, was a really good uh, transition point for me where we started, my group, uh, we started to do some research in battery materials, sort of really advanced materials. Uh, and then eventually I was responsible for uh, the, pro- uh, the product, the battery cell that is in the Chevy Bolt. And this was back in 2012, 2014 now time frame. And, and, the, and the Chevy Bolt eventually came out in 2016. But this was a really fun and challenging project, really fun and challenging work. Because electric vehicles, what we wanted to do was make a car that would go over 200 miles and really eventually went over 225 miles, but would cost much, much cheaper than electric vehicles that were that were available today. So, so Chevy Bolt was sort of one of those first few mass market cars that tried to break the mold and, and, and create a vehicle that could give that, you know, reasonably long range at a cheap, cheap price, at a, at, a, at a reasonable price. And for that, again, on the battery side, uh, a lot of innovation was required. We, we worked with startups. We worked with our uh, suppliers around the globe, like, like LG Chemical. And we bought that, uh, brought that battery into a vehicle eventually, uh, as part of GM. And, and as I was working through that startup, through many different battery startups over that time, um, I got to know of the GM Ventures Group, and then I, w- I joined the GM Ventures Group to make investments in startups. That was also a fantastic experience. Just a variety of different technologies in the automotive space. You can imagine, right? Clean energy, autonomous technology, advanced lightweight materials, advanced manufacturing, advanced business models, manuf- um, blockchain, you name it. So it was really a, a bird's eye view of the tech stack that goes into automotive. And frankly, that tech stack touches a lot of part of our, war, of our just, just the world that we live in. And really, one, of the, one of the key things that I did, did there as well is lock, looked at a lot of battery startups, did a mm. lot of diligence on, on battery startups. In fact, that's how I got to know of SES. This was my beginning of the journey with SES when GM Ventures, we made the investment in SES in 2015. Shortly after, I served on the board of SES for many years uh, before joining the company as president and CEO. So here I am. It was it, the, the whole 19 years has been fantastic, but uh, there's been a thread there that has taken me to SES, um, which has been in the making for quite some time. Very interesting background. I want to do a deep dive into SES technology. Mm-hmm. What I found interesting is you have experienced uh, you mentioned different components and different types of, you know, you're focused on lithium metal batteries now, but you also mentioned hydrogen fuel cells. Can you talk about SES's technology, why lithium metal batteries and why not hydrogen fuel cells? Like, will those ever work or are lithium metal batteries just far more effective? Sure. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll quickly get back to batteries from fuel cells because I, I you know, I also transitioned from batteries to fuel cells because for the the impact that the world needs to see from advanced, you know, propulsion systems or advanced systems that engines that can run run on clean energy, uh, especially for a geography like North America, batteries are are really well suited. And and when you particularly talk about passenger cars, the kind of cars that you and I drive and everybody else drives, which really is responsible for 
you know, the majority share of the fossil fuel consumption, the oil consumption, uh, as, as it relates to traveling and mobility, batteries are just a much better option, both from perspective of uh, cost, you know, where it gets cheaper faster. Also, the scale that the batteries are now being manufactured at has helped quite a bit. And then also infrastructure. Um, one of the key reasons batteries are so interesting is because you have an infrastructure um, that is present in many ways in, in everyone's garage. You know, I, I drive an EV and, and you can come in and plug plug the vehicle. For hydrogen, you have to build hydrogen fuel, hydrogen stations, which, which is a really, really arduous task. And this is one of the reasons why batteries have really taken off over time. Particularly with SES, it's, um, the lithium metal battery is actually a flavor of battery, which is squarely next generation batteries. All of the, all of the EVs that you see on the road today, almost all of them, are made out of lithium ion batteries. And the lithium ion batteries have been fantastic for the world. It was commercialized uh, late 90s, early 2000s by Sony. You might have used their digital cameras with these rechargeable batteries that you plug in, you know, back, back in the day. And then eventually they made its, the same chemistry, the same technology as a whole made its way into, into vehicles. And over the last decade, lithium ion has been a, a really, really um, fantastic platform for electric vehicles and has given us all the electric vehicles that you see on the road today. And, you know, the, and one of the things that has happened is that now with lithium ion, you, you're may, able to make cars that are good enough that drive 300 miles, that drive 350 miles. And, um, and so with that comes scale and the cost of reducing. But one of the things that customers desire, you know, based on my own experience, I know this, and, and really anyone who's driven an EV will know this, customers want, you know, 400, 500 miles of range so that they don't have to worry about charging on those longer trips. And lithium metal technology is, is really well suited to give, give that extended range to to uh, passengers. So you can actually put enough battery in a vehicle so that you can get that 400 plus 500 mile range on a, on a single charge. And so from our perspective, SES is a company This was founded in 2012. Since the beginning, it has been focused on lithium metal because we knew lithium metal, when it comes to battery technology without going too deep into it, is the end game. You can have a lot of points in the middle, incremental technology improvements, but if you want to go and actually get to the end point of where the technology sort of does, you know, does the best for the world and performs the best, you want to go in and uh, work with lithium metal. So since then, the company's been working lithium metal. We are finally at a point where we are, um, the tech, we, we've done a lot of technology development over the last eight years. And now we are working with many customers. We, we've announced we are working with General Motors. We're working with Hyundai, Honda uh, on bringing these kind of batteries into, into vehicles. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate. Do you want to diversify your investment portfolio while benefiting the planet? The Accelerate Carbon Negative Bitcoin ETF, symbol ABTC on the Toronto Stock Exchange, provides investors with exposure to Bitcoin while protecting the environment. Accelerate implements a global tree planting campaign to sequester carbon emissions and help fight climate change. Up to 10% of ABTC's 69 basis point management fee will be allocated to Accelerate's annual tree planting campaign. For each $1,000 invested in ABTC, 
An estimated one net ton of carbon dioxide is expected to be sequestered each year. Buy Bitcoin, save the planet. Find out more at investabtc.com. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more um, with regards to you know how important it is to expand that range. Um, I mean, personally, I grew up in small town Canada, and if if you don't have a, a wide enough range, it's just not practical. So um, that's I couldn't agree more. In terms of for the the rollout of your facilities, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit more about your pilot facility, the one gigawatt um, facility, and then the expansion facility, which is thirty gigawatts, and and some of the economics behind behind those facilities and the and the scaling of your production? Yeah, sure. This this uh, squarely gets into our growth plan. You know, one of the things that um, one of the announcements that we made in November uh, when we hosted our first Battery World event was that we showed the world for the first time a lithium metal cell um, that is more than 100 amp hours and, and also more than 400 watt hour per kilogram. Now that's, that's a lot of numbers and units, but what this means is that we showed the world a, a, the first lithium metal cell, which was sized right to actually go into an electric vehicle. Now, a lot of work needs to be done along with our partners, the kind of names I mentioned before, the automakers, to get this cell to a point where it actually shows up in a vehicle where you can go into a dealership and buy it. But from a, from a perspective of sort of um, transitioning the company from an R&D lab to a company that is focused on creating a product, this was our first demonstration of that, which, which we were really proud of. And along with that, we also announced the Shanghai Giga. You know, one of the unique things, in fact, today today is a very, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a day that we announced actually another facility, uh, and I'll get to Shanghai again in a minute. The one thing that is unique about SES, when you look at SES as compared to many other battery technology companies, not battery companies that actually sell vehicle, uh, batteries into vehicles, but battery technology companies, is that we are a company that is not just working in technology, but also working in making batteries. And this is why we have Shanghai Giga that we've announced and our Shanghai facility uh, that has already been in Shanghai since 2019. But today we also announced uh, SES Korea, where we are going to, uh, where we announced expansion plans, uh, where we are going to set up a pre-production facility as well um, and expand in Korea also along with, along with Shanghai. And by the way, we have headquarters in Boston because the company was founded out of MIT. Asia, for, for those who don't know, Asia is, this, is the hub for battery manufacturing, for battery technology, for battery development, and battery talent. So we are one of the few battery technology companies that is not just based in the U.S., but we have also operations in Shanghai and now also in Korea. And we'll expand that, that as well, all three places. The Shanghai in particular, um, the Shanghai Giga that you're referring to, Mike, this Shanghai Giga we announced at the same Battery World event, where we announced that um, this is going to be part of our expansion plan. Where we are, this is be the first expansion that gets us to a Giga factory. Up until now, we've had R and D factories. As we speak now, we are working on pre-production factories. But but the Shanghai Giga will be the first one that gets us to a Giga factory and and really helps us transition squarely into a product company from a technology company. So, so we announced that Shanghai Giga, we've already leased the space. The work is already ongoing. In fact, 
uh, like I said, we've been working in Shanghai since 2019, and and a lot of that would be is going to be the expansion of the existing facility itself. Um, all of this um, is going to help again get this battery, this this hundred amp hour battery, which we call Apollo. That's our product name. Will help get Apollo into vehicles through the automotive development path and programs, because which is very arduous, very long very consuming, requires a lot of resources and requires a lot of batteries to test in modules and packs and vehicles. So this facility is going to support working with many different automakers as we bring this Apollo into real, real vehicles. And from there on, we, you talk about expansion one, we, that, that's our first expansion that gets into tens of gigawatt hour which means for for every 10 gigawatt hour uh, you can you can appreciate you can imagine you know that serves about 100,000 vehicle. So if you were working with an automaker and they were making 100,000 vehicle, you'd need a 10 gigawatt hour factory and this is what we are planning to do which is to scale up as as the demand scales up as well. And as they're scaling, we do see other potential players emerging in the market. Specifically in your investor presentation, you mentioned Peers, QuantumScape, and Solid Power. So, wondering how does SES differentiate from these firms, and do you feel like you have a durable competitive advantage in the marketplace? Yeah, we, we differentiate in almost, uh, or we are different in almost every single way. <laughs> I mean, the um, the first thing I mentioned already um, about us being a global company, but but even if I just step back, we are, we are really focused on making cell that works that can go into electric vehicle. That is our primary focus. We, we want to be really customer-focused, product-focused, and we want to bring a, a battery technology, which is advanced, which is the sort of the, the end game into electric vehicle. And we want to bring this technology in such a way that it actually works. This is why it was so important for us to demonstrate that Apollo cell, because that showed to the world that we're not another technology company that is trying to do R&D that has aspirations to make a product like Apollo. But in fact, we are working on it and we are making it. So that was, that was critical. That's, that's one big, um, you know, that's one of the biggest differentiation for SES that we have actually shown something practical that can go into electric vehicle. And this is again, back to our team. We, we are focused on R&D and manufacturing. And this is also really related to our technology. A lot of choices that we've made goes back to the technology and, and why we can make these, these cells, these batteries. So um, we don't work on solid state. A lot of people assume that we work on solid state batteries because that is one of the uh, buzzwords in, in the industry. Uh, we work on lithium metal and our technology does not use solid state. It uses liquid electrolyte, just like lithium ion today. The, the same the same process that has been scaled up to hundreds of gigawatt hour worth of capacity, you know, and and this is just just really massive scale. We can use a lot of the same processes because we don't use solid state; we use liquid electrolyte in our systems. So again, back to how we can differentiate and make it, it's again back to technology. Our team we can actually make the stuff and make it work, and and demonstrate. And we've been very transparent with our data. In fact, we have shown we've sent our batteries to two third-party test labs. We've published that data for everyone to see. Um, and, and, so, and so that's, that's, that's there. I mean, that's one big differentiation point. The other, the other one, um, I would say that we are very focused on, on software. 
battery industry and battery technology companies and battery companies that have already also scaled up have traditionally been focused on hardware. And we can talk about software more in a, in a few minutes. Um, that, that's another, another differentiation point for us. But, and then lastly, our partners. You know, we have, I, talk, I said earlier, we are working with General Motors, Hyundai, Honda. We have multiple automakers that we are working with. We also have investors such as Shanghai Auto, Geely, that also owns Volvo, um, Foxconn, which is a great, um, which is breaking into EVs in, in a big way, uh, equipment manufacturers like Applied Materials, and then um, you know, battery makers like SK and LG are investors. And we also have investors like Tianchi Lithium, which, which is one of the biggest mining companies for lithium. So we've also built a, a really strong roster of shareholders that span the full ba- value chain downstream from customers all the way upstream to mining. And we have these great supporters that have been supporting us for, for a long time and, and continue to do so. So that's another big point of differentiation for us. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. And on the partnership front, and specifically with GM, Honda, and Hyundai, obviously there's the connection with GM, but could you provide a little, expand a little bit on the background of, of those partnerships and where, where you see those going forward? Yes, absolutely. So, so with GM, um, the company, you know, we've been working with them since 2015. A, a lot of a lot of R and D work, and they've been very supportive. And back in early 2021, GM stepped up in a big way and committed to doing a joint development agreement with us for for actually bringing this this technology into EVs. And so this this JDA in in our lingo in the industry lingo is called A sample JDA. A sample precedes B and C sample, but this is what you have to do to get into an EV. If, if you're not doing an A-sample JDA, you're doing R&D milestone work. And so if you're doing an A-sample JDA, which means there's a line of sight to a vehicle, a vehicle platform. So GM stepped up in a big way. Uh, just a few months later, uh, Hyundai stepped up as well. We had been working with Hyundai also for a couple of years. And uh, they also stepped up and then signed up for a joint development agreement, A-sample, with, with us. And then more recently, we announced in January that Honda as well stepped up and signed a, a sample joint development agreement with us. And all of these three companies, by the way, are also have made you know, huge equity investments in the company as well, both in private rounds as well as part of, part of the SPAC and Pipe. So, so really, these, these um, relationships have been in the making for a long time. We've worked with these automakers for a long time to, to earn their trust and, and really, more than anything else, you know, they've seen our team and they've seen our technology and, and uh, they want a piece of it. And so the idea is to develop this. And, and just as we talked about expansion plans earlier, uh, work with these automakers to transition from A sample to B sample and then C sample uh, and then get this into a vehicle by 2025. Certainly ambitious plans, Rohit. You mentioned SPAC and 
pipe financing, which happened concurrently with the merger with the SPAC. I wanted to touch on recently took the company public through a merger with Ivanhoe Capital Acquisition. How is it working with Robert Friedland and also how was the SPAC merger process? Yeah, it was great working with Robert. It was great. <laughs> it, Robert is um, is just is a great person, and and also he uh, his back just made so much sense for us, so much sense because um, we did talk to many other SPACs, but Robert's back Ivanhoe was such a good fit uh, because of Robert and his experience with the mining industry. Batteries need a lot of materials. Besides lithium, the other two key materials are nickel and copper. And that's where Robert has had a ton of experience mining these key materials that, by the way, have been going up in price quite a bit for the last year. And, and with that experience, what we wanted to, wanted to do was find a partner, which we found in Robert, who can help us, who can help guide us through, through, this, through this process where we're not only making batteries, but really integrating ourselves all the way upstream to key materials. And like I said, for lithium, we already had uh, had investors that that are working on lithium, but then with nickel and copper, we felt like this this really, um, you know, this this really rounded it off nicely for us. And the process for SPAC was, you know, uh, just like any fundraise process, long and and arduous. But but also, um, we're just happy that we're on the other side of it. And and really along the way, what we also find found was a ton of new supporters. Um, we, we had a pipe that was oversubscribed. We went from 200 to 275 million. We, Honda came in into a big way as, as we, they signed up the joint development agreement in January. And like I said, before that, we had General Motors, Hyundai, SAIC, LG, Coke, Coke family, many other strategics that, that also participate in the pipe. So that, that was, that was fantastic to bring all these new supporters in, into the fold. One key aspect of the SES story, and, and it relates to the going public transaction, you raised a bunch of capital with an oversubscribed pipe financing. Key juncture of the story is the revenue ramp up and the future path to profitability. Can you discuss how you guys are going to you know, scale into revenue? You're still quite early stage. Ultimately, the plan is to become profitable in the future. With that, you know, what are some of the risks that investors should be aware of and how are you helping to mitigate those risks in the ramp-up? Yeah, sure. And, and you're absolutely right. Our, our revenue ramp-up starts a few, few years down the road. And this really has to do with the fact that automotive development takes time. What we have done is that we have sown the, seed, sowed the seeds for, for this development with all of these different partnerships. Um, we continue to work with other automakers as well. So. So as we work with these automakers and go through the process of actually maturing the technology from A sample to B sample to C sample, that, those milestones will be critical for the company and, for, uh, and also for our customers. It's really important that we keep on track on time as well as our technology matures where we move from one gate to the next so that we can get into production. So that's, that's really one of the key focus areas for the company, along with, along with um, mitigating that risk in ways where we, like I said, we are working with other automakers and, as well. We haven't made any announcements yet, but, uh, but we'll make such announcements when the time's, time's appropriate. Uh, 
So that's some risk mitigation on the customer side. Uh, just just continue to um, continue to get more uh, customers that are really interested in working with us through the funnel and, and get them down the funnel. The other piece, the other piece is just execution on scale up. We've announced the Shanghai Giga. We already started the Shanghai facility in 2019, and now we have we are working on getting that facility operational in the second half of 2023. So, so that as well uh, will be a key sort of milestone for us because that gets us now the capability to actually work in the big leagues. We 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 will be able to manufacture enough of these Apollo cells to actually get into vehicles, even if it's for uh, integration and validation testing. We need we need uh, um, this factory and others to work. And this is why expansion in, in Shanghai and Korea is also very important. The thing is, with battery technology, it just moves so quickly. I'm sure you've seen that in your 20 years of experience in this segment of the market. I was wondering, what sort of technological advances can we look forward to over the next 20 years? What can we expect from batteries uh, in the future? What are you guys working on? I see. I see. Um, you know, new battery chemistries really only come once every few decades. Lithium ion started out back in the late 90s as a commercial product, and we're still using it today. You know, batteries don't follow Moore's law. Frankly, there have been five or six battery chemistries since the start of industrial revolution that have that have just um, played a key role in the industry. So it's really, really difficult and um, to actually say which what technology is going to be the technology of the future. There's a lot of technology in play. What what one there's there's lithium sulfur, lithium air, uh, our own lithium metal that sort of um, that we are working with, and by the way, can work with with other lithium sulfur, lithium air chemistries as well. Uh, some some folks have made announcements and are working on sodium-based batteries. So there's a lot of different chemistries that is at play. But again, I'm very skeptical of new chemistries, just like everyone else in the battery industry, because it's really, really hard to bring new chemistry to bear commercially. commercially. The one thing, though, the one trend that hasn't really been talked about much in the battery industry, which I think will take over over the next two decades, is software. Right. Traditionally, all the next-generation battery companies all of the current battery companies that are that have already scaled up, the, the software is almost an afterthought, or, or it's almost um, you work on software out of necessity. That is changing fast mm. through the whole through the whole value chain, and especially in the battery industry, software is going to be so critical. This is why you know one of the key focus. If you're not focused on software today, you are you're you're not going to be able to compete. 10, 15 years from now. I think that is going to be extremely difficult. Even if you have a great battery technology, software becomes really important because battery needs to be safe and and battery needs to function in a variety of different kind of conditions, geographies, driving styles, et cetera. And and today, battery is treated like any other component in the car. You sort of have an understanding of when it might fail based on your your Six Sigma manufacturing. But really what you want to be able to do is have enough intelligence where you can understand how your battery is performing real time and be able to do some prognosis, just like a doctor would do on your health. On the battery health, you want to be able to see or, or at least be able to perceive where the how the battery health is and how it's going to be down the road so that you can take action to improve its health or not put customers in harm way. 
So, so machine learning and, and AI is, is playing a big role in batteries. And really, this you know, I talk about batteries, but it's really the full value chain. When you think about new material discovery, a lot of AI is in play. Even even mining these days, a lot of AI is in play. So, um, so software, I think, irrespective of the chemistry, irrespective of the battery technology, software, I can I can say at least for sure, is going to play a massive role in the next 15, 10, 20 years. And I believe it was Mark Andreessen who said software is eating the world and battery technology seems no different. So sure. with, with that being said, Rohit, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, exciting stuff happening at SES recently publicly listed under the ticker symbol SES. So nice and easy for investors or potential investors. So wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you very much, Julian. Thanks, Mike. All right. Take care. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty expressed or implied is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.